Let's stand together and we're going to read the verses again today. I'm going to speak faith. I'm just going to say something in faith. I'm believing. See, we sang there about the song of heaven. The song of heaven is the gospel. That, that's what the church is to sing and preach and tell and communicate. The gospel. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And I'm believing that the year 2016 is going to be a breakout year where we see things we've never seen God do. And I'm just going to speak that in faith because I see that with the eye of faith. Some of you are going to see some things you've never seen God do. Your jaw is going to be shoveling dirt because of what you see. See, our God is a mighty God, a God who moves, a God who answers prayer, a God who does miracles. He does exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think of. And that's why we're here today, because of what he did by sending his only begotten son. Now, this is the fourth message in uh, this series, Our King Has Come. And we've been looking just at Jesus. I mean, what else are you going to look at? Jesus. He's the reason we're here. So I want you to read it good and loud with me, uh, just like you're the one that gets to preach. And let's read this incredible Christological statement about Jesus Christ. Ready? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now I'm going to take that last verse. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the word of God that changes us, rearranges us, renovates our minds, renews our spirits. And Lord, we receive the word today and I pray for a special spirit of revelation that, the, that heaven would literally communicate the truth of Jesus to this congregation and everybody watching by video and later listening by radio. Communicate the reality of why we're here today. Jesus, born in Bethlehem. And I thank you for it. Can you breathe a prayer, church? Say, Lord, speak to my heart today. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Merry Christmas. Warm up. Just tell him Merry Christmas. Well, I'll tell you, that music stirred me. Amen. Well, this is the fourth week, as I said, that we've been on this. Let, let me just tell you the first three weeks. And if you weren't here and you want the CD, some of you don't know that as soon as we're finished with church, any service, they immediately have the CDs back there for you if you want to grab one. They're all recorded and produced immediately. And, you know, it's such a blessing to me that already today, we have ministered in every state in the union by radio. Now, let me just, let me just tell you something. We got a brand new website coming out about Life Talk, the Life Talk website. 
And what they did was they've got in the website, I can't tell you the address yet because we're still tweaking it a little bit, but in a, in a week or two, it'll be up and running. But they got a whole map of the country and divided into states. And you can just take the mouse and go to any state and click on it, and all the stations were out in that state drop down. So I went to New York, where they really need the Lord. <laughs> I'm from there. And I clicked on it, and all these stations dropped down. Then I went way to the other side and went to California IA and clicked on it. All these stations dropped down. And then I started having fun. I went to, I went to Minnesota. <laughs> now all these states came. Any state you pick, stations drop down. The turning point is ministering the Word of God in. And already today, now go ahead, that's a, that's a real blessing. It's a real blessing. And already today, we've been in every time zone, in every state in the union, ministering the Word of God. But, but by faith, I'm going to tell you that the year 2016 is going to be a breakthrough, breakout year, where no matter what's going on in the United States of America, I believe if we will step out in faith, we're going to see God do some things we've never seen. And I believe that's true for any ministry because, you see, the time is short. And, and God is looking for a people who will believe him. So we're going to believe God. Now, if I'm not careful, I'm going to preach on that and not on my message. So I need to stop. But that's a word. And, and don't miss next Sunday because I'm going to cast a vision for the new year, one word God has given me, and I'm going to share it next Sunday. Now, so far we've spoken on the first week, Jesus was God. Second week, Jesus was unselfish. Third week, God became a man. And all of these messages have come out of that text, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Now today, I'm going to speak on Jesus was obedient. Oh, was Jesus obedient. His obedience is amazing. Again, the verse, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Incomprehensible. Who can wrap their minds around what we just read? God, in the form of Jesus, died a criminal's death. If you think about it, the entire process the Lord went through of divesting himself of heaven and the privileges he enjoyed there, which we'll never comprehend, and then being born a man, but further, allowing himself to be abused, vilified, slandered, maligned, mistreated by men. And finally, to submit to death on a cross as a common criminal. This whole process of incremental condescension and humility and obedience to God is absolutely staggering. It's staggering. I did a little Facebook post last night. I don't go on Facebook, but I do little posts. And I, since Star Wars is so big now, you got people camping out in front of the theaters in tents which to me is crazy baby. But they're doing it. Camping out, some of them weeks ahead of time, 
uh, to see Star Wars. Luke, Darth, and company. So I decided to do a little post on Facebook. So you know the way Star Wars starts out. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Look, all of you knew it. (laughs) I did this. A long time ago, in a Galilee far, far away. And I took off and did a post. It's already got 2,000 hits. They've already, and I talked about how the God-man was born and defeated the dark side. And I went into that. And uh, anyway, that's really what happened in a Star Wars kind of way, all right? Star Wars is just a takeoff of, in some ways, I'm not saying it is, but it has a lot of reflections of God becoming a man and Christ, the light, and, you know, Darth Vader and the dark side, Satan, all that stuff. Uh, Yeah. I just wish I could take those crowds and bring them in here for 10 minutes. Okay. But this whole process of incremental condescension, humility, and obedience to God is staggering to the human mind that God became a man, but he didn't stop there. He humbled himself further and became obedient. But he didn't stop there with obedience. He went obedience all the way to the death, the death of the cross. God did to redeem us. That's Christmas. We love to sing a song, and I love this song, Here I Am to Worship, Here I Am to Bow Down. You know the song. It goes like this, King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above, Humbly you came to the earth. You created. All for love's sake, you became poor. And I'll never know how much it costs. I'll never fathom how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know this side of heaven how much it costs. And that's absolutely true. We won't. We'll never fully grasp it what it cost him to go from there to here. But we do know some things because God gave us the Bible and gave us revelation so we can know some of what happened. And so let me just share three things with you out of that last verse. First, we're told that Jesus humbled himself. That's why we use the word condescended. He descended. He didn't ascend. He descended. He came from a high place to a low place. And he humbled himself. Now, when I say the word humble, you might think that that sounds weak, like we do with meekness. The word meekness, when we say somebody's meek, we immediately associate it with weak. We say meek is weak. If they're meek, they're weak. And we don't understand that if you're meek, you're stronger than somebody who's not meek. Because meekness means strength held back, strength in reserve. Meekness means I could, but I won't. Humility is the same way. We hear that somebody's humble, and, and we say, um, well, then that must mean they're down on themselves and don't think much of themselves, and they're, they're always walking around staring at the ground and won't look you in the eye. They're humble. And we associate it with negative self-image, but it's not that at all. Humility, like meekness, is strength. The more humble you are, the more like God you are. Humble, humility means to be made low, to assign a lower rank. Or place. That's what it means. Now, here's the deal. Jesus accepted a lower rank 
than what he deserved as God. He accepted a lower rank. He willingly embraced being made low. That's what Jesus did. He condescended to come to us, meaning he descended from a high place to a less formal, less dignified, lower place. He waived the privileges of rank. He had a rank as God, the highest rank possible. He gave it up. He waived the privileges. He didn't cling to it. He didn't hang on to it. He emptied himself of those privileges. He said to his followers, I came down. Notice, he didn't say I went up to come to you. I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So Jesus not only laid aside his heavenly glory to become a man, but once he was a man, he further humbled himself, took lower rank, divested himself of what he had. If you look at the life of Jesus in the Bible, humility was a constant characteristic of Jesus as a man. Think about it. He never sought honor. He was always telling people that he healed. Now, don't go tell anybody what I did. He didn't say, go trumpet it and bring me glory. That wasn't him. He humbled himself. He never sought honor. He did not want to be made a spectacle of. He never tooted his own horn. He never demanded to be made over or served, but he willingly stepped down to the lowest conditions of life. He wrapped himself in skin. He became a man. He felt our pain. He walked with us, talked with us, worked with us, hurt with us. He sweated like a man, was hungry like a man, was tired like a man, wrapped himself in humanity. Having been God... One writer says the Son of God did not proudly continue in his high station, but descended from it for a while, 33 years, and placed himself in the lowest condition among men, serving everyone with the humility of a servant. One night, he took a towel, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And they said, Lord, you shouldn't wash our feet. We should wash yours. And he said, suffer it to be so, for I am giving you an example how you should serve one another. And God literally served Men, who he made, he humbled himself. He took a lower rank and did it all the way for the rest of his life, humbled himself. But then the Bible says from there, he also obeyed. Jesus was obedient unto death. That's why we're here today. That's why there's a Christmas. Now, follow me a minute. Obedience can be said to take place on many levels. A person can easily and cheerfully obey when what they are asked to do is no big deal. It's easy. It doesn't take anything out of them. It's easily done, easy to accomplish. doesn't cost anything. It's easy to obey. Oh, sure, I'll do that to a superior, you say. Sure, I'll do that. That's easy. That's one level of obedience. But then also a person might be required to obey when the request is an inconvenience, when it, when it, when it messes with what you want to do. It's inconvenient. It gets you out of your lazy boy. It gets you out of your comfort zone. Somebody, a superior, asks you to do something that causes you to go out of your way a little bit. And that's a bit harder. That's not as easy as the first one. It's another level of obedience. 
But obedience is even more difficult when not only is the request inconvenient, but it also requires a personal sacrifice of time or finances or physical exertion or maybe even a level of suffering. For you to obey, it's going to take something from you and out of you. That's harder than just, hey, can you hand me a glass of water? But then, you know what? There's another level of obedience altogether. As in the case where obedience involves risk and danger to you, to your well-being. As in the police officer who is ordered in a harm's way uh, to make an arrest or to save a citizen from danger, that police officer is exercising a level of obedience that is far removed from the first that I talked about. Because for them to obey, they're in danger. There's, there's way more at stake in this level of obedience. And that's why we honor police officers and we honor the military because a soldier is the same way. A soldier who, is, uh, who, who goes onto the battlefield knows that to obey means not only danger, but maybe the cost of their very life. And they know that. No profounder spirit of obedience can be shown than this, which is why, again, we honor the police and we honor the military. I, I honor the military. Anytime I meet a serviceman or a servicewoman, I tell them, wherever I am, I say, thank you for your service. Because without you, I'm not free. And I really mean that. And my wife, my sweetheart, Kathy, has bought a, she got a big stack of car, Starbucks uh, gift cards, and she gives them to officers when we run across an officer, and she says, thank you, have a cup of coffee on me, because you put your life on the line every day. She does that. And by the way, she, you can see she's not here today, but can we say hello, Kathy? She's watching. Hi, sweetheart. How am I doing? Oh, thank you. Okay. She really is watching. Now watch this. So, so I thank them because that level of obedience is heavy. It's big. It's meaningful. But it can also be said that the obedience of the soldier is in many cases not totally voluntary since if they did not obey, they might be court-martialed and they could be put in prison. So there is a price tag attached if they don't obey. You see, here's why. They're following an order. That level of obedience is the result of being ordered, ordered onto the battlefield, ordered into a crime scene. But Jesus' obedience is higher than the police officer, higher than the soldier, higher than any of them that I've mentioned. You know why? Because Jesus obeyed to the point of death when he was not under orders to do it. All the obedience of Jesus. The incomprehensible obedience of Jesus. See, he, he didn't have to do what he did. What Jesus did was totally voluntary. He voluntarily obeyed all the way to the cross. He himself said, look, let me just let him speak for himself. He said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. This is what my Father has given me. That's John 10, verse 18. Jesus said, I do what I do 
voluntarily. I'm not under an order. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, Father, if there's any way to take this cup from me, please do it. But there wasn't. There wasn't any other way. Jesus knew that he must obey. He knew that he must obey all the way to the cross. Now, he obeyed, but he did it voluntarily. Because didn't he say, if I wanted to, I could call on 12 legions of angels right now, and they would come, and they would whisk me out of here, and I would not have to face the cross. That's what he said. But I do it voluntarily. I do it for you. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus willingly placed himself in the position of a servant to do the will of God and then never, ever shrank from what that position involved all the way to the point of death. Having humbled himself, he voluntarily obeyed. He obeyed when they mocked him. He obeyed when they ridiculed him. He obeyed when they maligned him. He obeyed when they slandered him. He obeyed when they whipped him. He obeyed when they plucked out his beard. He obeyed all the way to the cross voluntarily. He walked up Golgotha's hill naked and bleeding, obeying voluntarily. He took a real stand for you and me voluntarily. He obeyed. But here's the, here's the clincher. He didn't just obey to the point of death, but he obeyed to the point of a terrible death, the worst kind of death available in that day and I believe available to this day, the cross. He obeyed. He obeyed all the way through his life of 33 years. He obeyed at every turn. He obeyed submitting to his parents. He obeyed submitting to the teachers. He obeyed all the way through the beginning of his ministry, all the way through to the end. He obeyed, but then came the cross that made him sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in Gethsemane, the very thought of it, the very thought of being separated from God the Father for a moment's time while he took our sins upon himself. And and he obeyed all the way to stretching out his hands and his feet and being nailed to that cross, nailed to that tree. His obedience is incomprehensible. Because we weren't saying to him, oh, geez, you're just so wonderful. I just thank you for all that you have done and I love. No. Crucify him. Crucify him. Let me just drop something on you. It occurred to me this week. The cross was the first Christmas tree. You know why? Because it's the first tree associated with Christmas. It's the first tree associated with Christmas. Without that tree, there is no Christmas. And the cross was a tree. Jesus knew it was his destiny to die on that cross to become a curse for us, that the curse of sin might be broken from off of our backs. He knew the cross was coming. He full well knew. Listen to what Paul said. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It wasn't a very pretty tree in the natural. It was a bloody tree. 
It was a torturous tree. It was an unattractive tree. It didn't have lights and gifts under it and all that. It had a gift on it. And it had a light on it. It says, when Jesus was born, he's the light of the world. So the first Christmas tree had a gift on it. God so loved the world he gave. And it had a light on it. He's the light of the world. That's the first tree associated with Christmas. So when you look at your Christmas tree today, think about this. As Jesus got nearer to his arrest, the Bible says, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets, he knew the prophets, he knew what they'd written about him. Everything written about by the prophets about the Son of Man, me, will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Oh, the obedience of Jesus. Because you see, Jesus kept on obeying, knowing that what was coming was mocking, insulting, being spit upon, flogging, whipping, killing, being delivered over, betrayed by a follower. He knew all that was coming. Jesus knew this was coming. But he obeyed voluntarily. He was very well aware of what King David the psalmist had written concerning him. And the mind blower here, this verse I'm about to read, in David's day, in Isaiah's day, there was no crucifixion. There was no such thing. It was created later under the Romans. But watch this. David the psalmist writes in Psalm 22, right before the famous 23rd Psalm, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. That is direct prophecy, predicting a manner of death that didn't exist when it was written. He also knew what the prophet Isaiah had written about him. Isaiah said, quote, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Both David and Isaiah saw the cross coming before the cross was and saw the Messiah dying by the cross before Messiah had been manifested in Bethlehem on that first Christmas morn. The first Christmas tree was that old rugged cross. And on that cross was God's gift on the tree, not under it, and the light of the world on that cross. That cross was the defining moment of all time. B.C. and A.D., divided by this man, Christ. The cross was God's nuclear bomb against hell. The cross destroyed the power of death and hell in the grave. The cross. On the cross, We were forgiven. On the cross, we were healed. On the cross, we were delivered. On the cross, we went from hellbound to heavenbound on the cross and because of the cross. Thank God for that old rugged cross. Thank God for the first tree. No wonder the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Another version, do you think we can risk hell by neglecting this magnificent salvation? 
it occurred to me this week, not that I didn't know it, but I thought of it in a different way. No one in history has ever been saved apart from Jesus. No one. No one's ever been saved by Buddha, saved by Muhammad, saved by Confucius, saved by any other man or woman. No one. There is only one name, only one man, only one personage in history that can save us. The one who died on that tree. God's gift. So here's the message of Christmas. Jesus emptied himself of his glory in heaven. He stepped out of eternity and made the long journey to earth. He wrapped himself in humanity's skin. He humbled himself, giving up the form of God to take on the form of a servant. He voluntarily obeyed the Father all the way to death, even the torturous death of the cross for you, And you and you and you, all of you, he died for you. Your name was there. He knew you were coming. On that tree, he died for you and me. That tree contained God's gift and God's light. Then on the third day, he arose from the dead, victor over death, hell, and the grave. When we understand who he was, We understand why he came. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done, sir, with Jesus? Ma'am, what have you done with him? Well, I haven't done anything with him. Well, you've either accepted him or you've rejected him or you've ignored him or you've put him out here and said, well, someday, someday is today. Because you know what? I'm not here today to point a finger at you, judge you. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short, all of us. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm here to tell you that on that tree was a gift. And that gift was God's son. And he was the light that shines into the darkness of your life, your depression, your failures, your mistakes, your perplexities, your problems. He shines into there. So I'm going to ask us to stand today, can we? And please, no movement. Uh, You don't have to leave yet. I hope you don't have to leave yet. Just be as still as possible because I'm going to pray with people and I don't want there to be any distractions And and I want to say to everyone here, forget about the person next to you. Forget about the person you came with. There's, There's only one person in here, and that's you, and Christ and me. And I'm just talking straight to you. I'm addressing you. I'm if I knew your name, I'd say it. But he knows your name. Now, let's bow in prayer. And I and I want to ask you a question. Is there a question mark in your mind about knowing Christ, coming to him, him living in your heart and having changed you? I'm not talking about getting a religion. I'm talking about has Jesus come to live in your heart because you said, Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart. I put my faith in you as Savior. 
Say, Jeff, I don't know if I can do that. Listen, the Bible says God has given to every person on earth faith to be saved. So you've got the faith. And it's just a matter of looking up and saying, Jesus, forgive me. And today, the Savior that was born in Bethlehem can be born in your heart. Literally. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm going to invite you, dear friend, to pray with me. You may not pray in a very long time, but I want to ask you to pray with me. And in a moment, I'll pray for, with those who have drifted away from the Lord. But first, let's do this. I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I believe on the cross was God's gift to me. Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Now, if you've drifted from the Lord, I want you to pray this with me. If you want to, it's time to come home. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me for putting anything in front of you in my life. I come home today. Lord, put me in the middle of your will for my life. In Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed. Father, I thank you for the precious people who are here, none by accident. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to hearts, for making this a sacred moment, for making it a moment of decision, and for speaking to us of our need for you. Now with your heads bowed, if you say, Jeff, I prayed with you. In either one of those two prayers, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand. Put it up high. Real high. I prayed with you. I prayed with you. All over this place. I prayed with you. God bless all of you. God loves you so much. Now I want to ask you to do something. If your hand is raised, would you let me pray with you right down here? It, it would be an honor to me. And I, and I feel very impressed. I need to do it. I need to pray with you right here. You say, well, Jeff, why do I need to come down there? This was personal. Listen, Christianity is both personal and it's public. I'm asking you to take a step of faith. He walked up Golgotha's hill for you. You can come down here. I want to pray with you. We're going to have a special prayer. And then I'm going to give you something to take home. So if you prayed, I want you to come right now. Come quickly. Just start walking. Just make your way down. Everybody who raised your hand, make your way down. Come quickly. Come right now. Come right now. Jesus is in this place. His precious spirit is drawing people. Drawing people. No man can come to me, Jesus said, unless the spirit draws him. I did this many, many years ago in a juvenile detention center when I was under arrest for drugs. I was 16, and the man gave the invitation, and I was the only one that went. 
but God helped me to do it. And my whole life was changed. My whole life was changed. Is there anyone else? And this is a beautiful, beautiful sight, all these people. And I want to pray with you now. Now, when I tell you that the Lord heard our prayer, I really mean it. He really heard our prayer because he comes to live inside of us and to change our lives, give us a whole new life. This is not turning over a new leaf. This is not a New Year's resolution. This isn't rehab. This is transformation to a whole new life. So I'm going to pray with you, and then I'm going to ask you to go for a couple of minutes into a prayer room with this man right here who's going to give you something that we've put together for you that we want you to take home. But folks, if there's ever a day to get right with God, this is it. Because he's, he's near. He's coming soon. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these precious people and for giving them the mercy to be able to respond to you. And I pray that, Lord, as they have come forward as a physical representation of their prayer of faith, I pray, Lord, that you will do what only Jesus can do. Strengthen them, help them, guide them, fill them with a new life, show them your destiny for them. And that this is the turning point of their life. And they are never going to be the same. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want all of you to look at me. Uh, this is, the man's name is Robert. He's going to take you into the prayer room for a couple of minutes. Please go with him. He'll let you back out. If you're with somebody, they'll wait for you. But go ahead and follow Robert. And, and right back there, would you? All of you who have come, God bless you. Bless you. God bless all of you. You know, we sang the song, uh, do, you, do You See What I See? I wish you could see what I see down here at my vantage point. Because none of these people, I guarantee you, when they left for church this morning, knew, thought that they would end up in the altar. But see, we come to him because the Spirit draws us. And that's why. I am so glad you came. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen. How many of you are glad for the obedience of Jesus? Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Now, I got to say something. If we had had a best dress for Christmas today, <laughs> come here, Clydell. Come here. Come up here. Come up here. Come on. Camera, are you on him? Turn around. I want you to look at this. I looked at him when he came walking in, and then I looked again. I said to him, where did you find this? He said, oh, it was at Macy's, and they were all sold out. So I told the praise team next week, and they said, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, all right.
But anyway, Clydell, real men wear this. Uh, and, and, I, and I do want, can you get the shoes? Can you pan down to the shoes? Can you? Is it possible? Well, there we go. Oh! Amen. Clydell believes in Christmas. Yes, indeed. All right. Wednesday night, we won't be here. Remember, uh, no church, but Thursday night, Christmas Eve, we'll be here at 6 o'clock for our wonderful, inspirational, every year, it's amazing, Christmas, uh, New Year, uh, uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service. And it, it's inspirational. I'm going to bring a brief message uh, that night, 10 minutes or so, and we're just going to celebrate. You'll be out of here by 6.50 or so. Uh, ready to go do the rest of your Christmas Eve, but it's a great way to honor the Lord. We'll be here Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock, Thursday night. Otherwise, have a blessed week. If you're traveling, may God keep you safe. We're going to count to three and shout together Merry Christmas and thank all of you for coming. Don't forget, next week, we're casting vision for the new year. Are you ready? One, two, three. Merry Christmas. God bless you. Have a good week.